people of Jerusalem said, is this not the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But, when, but, but we know where this man comes from, and when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple. He said, you know me, and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? And I invite you to bow your heads and let's pray. Prepare our hearts for God's word today. Father, we declare that you are God, the one true living God, and there is no one like you. Father, we believe that you sent Jesus Christ, your son, to walk this earth and to teach us about the kingdom and, and a relationship with you and to make a way to you. We believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We believe that the Holy Spirit is God who lives inside of us, takes up residence in his people, in his church. Lord, we lift up your word as true, the Bible as more than just relevant, as absolute. And Lord, we are your church, we are your people, your broken people, your battered people, your trying to be sanctified people. And God, we, we wrestle with, with sin and we fight to be sanctified. And above all, we lift up the name of Jesus as a church. We exalt his name because we get to, because we're commanded to, because when we lift up the name of Jesus, he will draw all men to himself. Father, draw men to yourself today. Be with us, be in us, work through your word. May it be living and active, a two-edged sword, which pierces to the very dividing center and core of our being, our bone and our marrow, Father. We love you, in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. church, we all said, Amen. This is too powerful of a passage for us today to come in a little lackadaisical. I'm telling you, uh, I was up even last night just reading through and finalizing some things. My wife's like, are you going to go to bed? You know you got to preach tomorrow. I was like, I know. It's just such a great passage. It really is. Um, just to kind of catch you up to speed, I want to be as good as I can with, with our time today. By the way, how are you guys doing today? You doing well? Yeah. This side doing good? Yeah. This side doing good? You guys got a long way to go. Uh, Online audience doing good? All right, I'm just going to pretend like you yelled. Um, by the way, we, we do have a lot of friends joining us online. We are really grateful that you're here with us. Can we just welcome them this morning? Can we do that real quick? I was talking with some of them backstage right before, right before um, I, I got to come up here and preach, and some, uh, some of whom I hadn't talked to for a long time. So it's great to be able to connect with them. And, um, so picking up in chapter 7, I'm enjoying this series. John is a, a, an awesome book. Chapter 7 is a really good book. And um, just to, let's give it a little context. You guys ready? Let's jump in. Got a lot to do today. Pull out your notebooks. Take some notes. A lot to go over. We're not going to stop. You can go back and listen to the podcast if you need to. 
Uh, let's get some context. So Jesus is teaching in the temple, okay? It is the festival at this point in time, an eight-day festival called the Sukkot. Let me hear you say Sukkot. Yes, I have no idea how to uh, spell that, much less how to pronounce it, really, honestly. So I think that's how you pronounce it. It's the festival of booths. And what that means is, is for eight days, they, they assemble these booths, these, uh, these, little sh- these little, like, makeshift tents, right? And the tops are open to them so that they can see the stars. This is to remember the faithfulness of God in the previous generation. It doesn't mean that they're remembering God's faithfulness metaphorically. They're remembering God's faithfulness quite literally. God was faithful to them in the wilderness. Not a metaphorical wilderness. It's not that they were behind on their, their, their mortgage and like, man, God was faithful. No, they were in a literal wilderness, okay? And so they're passing along these things. Jesus shows up, begins to teach, teach during the festival of the Sukkot. He's surrounded by a diverse group of people, right? He comes into the temple. He's preaching from Solomon's porch where rabbis would teach and preach. He's surrounded by friends, family, but also surrounded by followers, some questioning who he was, but mostly religious individuals, men, women, children, a lot of Pharisees, political people, and then also mixed up in this crowd um, a group of people that want to see Jesus arrested and ultimately killed. Now, if you remember, week one, we, we used three words to define this entire passage, uh, disbelief, debate, and division. That's what really lines the chapter seven, disbelief, debate, division, all regarding who this man actually is. Who is Jesus? And so all these people are flooding into the temple to hear and see who this Jesus is. And what marks our talk today is this word Debate. Let me, let me hear you just say debate. debate. Come on, church. Let me hear you say the word debate. debate. Yes. Uh, and this is a strong teaching today. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm excited for God to work through it. Look at verse 25 and 26. Here's the debate. It says, Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is this not the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly. And they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? In other words, there's a debate happening. Is this the Christ? Is this the Messiah? Is this the one that we've been looking for? Is this the the one that we've been waiting for? If so, how is he out speaking like this in public? The debate is about whether or not this was actually the Christ. If this was actually the Messiah. And it's interesting. I, I find this interesting because Jesus bears all the marks of the Messiah. All of them. His life to this point had fulfilled all the ancient texts, all the ancient prophecies that foretold the coming of a Savior. From his birthplace to his, 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 uh, to his birth, the type of birth that was born of a virgin of Mary. The healings that he had done, the teachings that he had done, his miracles. Speaking of his teaching, his teaching even at a very young age in the temple, right? They were, they were of authority and they shook the, 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 the rulers, the rabbis, the, the Pharisees. So if this is the case, hang with me now, I'm building something here. If this is the case, why the hostility? Sheesh, why the hostility? Why are they angry with him? Why are they seeking to kill him? Even bigger question, how did they miss Jesus as the Messiah? See, what you might not realize is their entire world, the theocracy of their nation revolved around, yes, God, but also 
the coming Messiah. In fact, the Jew was saved in the belief that Messiah would one day come. So you better believe they were looking. Every prayer mentioned the coming Messiah. Every festival and feast revolved around the coming Messiah. When they talked and greeted, the way that they did their work, the way that they did their job, the way that they lived their lives, the marriages they had, where they had to, all revolved around the fact that Messiah will one day come. Messiah will one day come. Messiah will one day come. And then they missed Messiah. They missed Jesus. If this is the case, why? And there's one simple answer, and it's this. I want you to write this down. We're a church that worships in spirit and in truth. You know this. Write this down. Why did they miss Jesus? Here's the simple truth. Jesus wasn't the Messiah that they wanted. Now hold on to that for a minute. Jesus wasn't the Messiah that they wanted. And when I say that he wasn't the Messiah that they wanted, listen, he wasn't the Messiah that anyone wanted. No one wanted Jesus as the Messiah across the board. Let me demonstrate that. There's two demographics of people really here. Two classes of people, if, if, if you will, in that day and time. You have leadership and people under leadership. The people in leadership were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, the Sanhedrin. Think of Nicodemus. And, and the Messiah that these leaders were looking for was a Messiah that would bring power to Israel, prestige to Israel, dominance to Israel. They wanted a Messiah who would truly be a king in a militaristic way, raise the country up. And this is why the Jewish leaders miss the Messiah. Because that's not who Jesus was. Jesus wasn't the Messiah they wanted. But then you also have another group of people. People under leadership. People just trying to live their life. People just trying to do their thing. Make some money. Put some food on the table. Right? And the Messiah that they were looking for was one who would bring them free wine. Free food. And free health care. Which, by the way was great because Jesus had done all those things up to this point. Remember Jesus' first miracle, turning water into wine at a, at a wedding? Some dude there was like, check, you got my vote, Messiah, right? <laughs> then he follows him around a little bit to where Jesus creates food, like rips up this little boy's lunch and, and hands out to 5, 10, 20,000 people. That same dude is like, check, free food, you got my, you got my vote, Jesus. And then he's healing people, raising people from the dead. The Jews are convinced until Jesus begins to demand something of them. And then they leave. Until Jesus stands up and says, listen, this is all well and good, but it demonstrates a point. Here's the point. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. And people are like, I don't know that free wine is worth this. Free wine, free food, free health care. By the way, don't hate on that. If I, if I opened up a Costco today where it was free, I'd probably want to be one of the most popular people in town. Hey, come to my Costco today. Free wine, free bread, free food, free health care. Like nobody's going to hate on that. But the moment that Jesus enters into speaking about the kingdom, speaking about greater things, they leave. Why? Because they wanted this Messiah. They didn't want that Messiah. It's not that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. It's just that he wasn't the Messiah that they wanted. Don't take this lightly. Don't take this lightly. Because we look at these two groups of people today from the 21st century and we think, how did this happen? How in the world did this happen? Clearly he's the man. Clearly he's the guy. Clearly he's fulfilling prophecy. He's walking on water. 
This proves two things. Number one, haters going to hate, man. I'm just going to say, there's always going to be somebody you can't please. Now, I've seen you walk on water. You have turned water into wine. You've even resurrected from the dead. But i got to ask you, can you do anything else? Like, literally, nothing. It also just speaks to something even deeper and greater and bigger. How can they see these things and still miss him? Not only that, but they knew prophecy. Each and every one of them knew what to be looking for. My friends, this goes to the deepest point, and it's a point I've already given because even with all their knowledge, Jesus wasn't the Messiah that anyone wanted. It's a hard pill to swallow. But lest we become the most arrogant individuals in the room and think, oh, those silly Jews, I can't, I can't even deal with that. How did they miss that? I have a question for us. Most sincerely, has anything changed for us today? Now listen now. Has anything changed in 2,000 years? The fastest, form, the fastest growing form of, quote, Christianity in our world today, yes, world today, is the prosperity gospel led by a prosperity Jesus. The Jesus that will bless us. The Jesus that gives us money. The Jesus that keeps us safe as long as you tithe. The, the Jesus that grants our deepest desires and fulfills our greatest wants in every way. My friends, if I'm being honest, my fear is that even if Jesus walked into many of our churches today, we would still miss him and reject him as Messiah. Why? Because that's not the Messiah we want. That's not the Jesus that we want. Would we ooh and awe at his miracles? Of course. Will we celebrate the free lunches? Yeah, hopefully it's Chick-fil-A. Will we be enthralled and incredibly grateful of the healings? Yes, of course. But ultimately, I do believe at the end of the day, we would still miss Jesus because there is the Jesus we want, listen now, and then there's the Jesus we get. And the Jesus we get is not like the Jesus we want. At the end of the day, we want the Jesus that will give us what we want. And I'll prove it, because maybe you're like, no, I don't think I'm there. Yes, you are. Because when Jesus doesn't give you what you want, you get mad at him. Hence proving that we want the Jesus we want, not the Jesus we got. When Jesus doesn't heal our father of cancer and he dies, we get upset and oftentimes leave the faith. Why? Because Jesus didn't give me what I want. I'm not trivializing that. I'm just speaking clearly. When I look over at my neighbor who's not half as good as me, but he's making three times as much as me, and he goes to church, what's wrong with me? God, what's wrong with you? You're not being the Jesus I want. And we miss the Jesus we get because it just doesn't pan out. See, just like the Jewish people, I've come to learn this. We share in the same affliction. Do you know what that is? A sinful depraved, wicked, selfish heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 puts it like this. The heart is deceitful above, read those next two words for me. The heart is deceitful above what, church? 
All right, we're going to say this together, even though I know we're all getting equally smacked across the face at the same time. Okay? And I'm right with you. Read it with me now with some power. The heart is deceitful above all things. Some things? No. The pinnacle of deceit lives in the core of your being. Do you get that? Our hearts are deceitful. Above what? Some things? No, above all things. And Scripture goes on and says, and desperately sick. And then Jeremiah says, I don't even understand it. In essence, this prophet is saying, I'm so sick. I'm so, I'm so uh, desperate. I'm so deceitful. I don't even understand the depths of my depravity. Understand this. All of us. Collective humanity is infected and desperately sick with sin. Now, some of us, we're going to be more honest about that. Some of us, we're not going to be honest about that. But each, each of us, we're clearly marked by it. Our thoughts, our choices, our pride, our desires. We can't help but want what we want when we want it. We can't help it. Now listen, you can try to go straight Tony Robbins, change your habits, get around some good, like-minded people. You know, that's not going to hurt you. That's a good thing. Give some positive affirmations, stand in front of the mirror, tell yourself how cute you are every day. I get that. But at the end of the day, your desperate, sick, cancerous, broken, depraved heart is going to want what it wants. And it's going to fight you till the day that you die. Your flesh is one of your greatest enemies in all of this world. And we get upset when Jesus doesn't give us what we want. Because at the end of the day, let's be honest, at the end of the day, all I really want from Jesus is to take care of my problems. Now, I understand. Let me back up a little bit. I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching in a time, we're having church in a time where there are a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems globally. I mean, it kind of feels like the fabric of our existence is ripping from the seams right now. Does it not? Even just locally in America, in our government, from immigration to healthcare issues, joblessness, not to mention the pandemic itself, dividing and conquering not only families but communities. Well, stay six feet apart. Well, I don't have to stay six feet apart. Put on a mask. Well, I'm not wearing a mask. You got your vaccine. I'm not getting my vaccine. Like literally dividing and conquering everything. This is a huge problem. Mental health issues are on an all-time high. Divorce rates are climbing. Drug usage higher. One in three Christians has not been to church in 14 months. One in four pastors has quit within the last 12 months. We got problems. We got some big problems. But listen and don't miss this. This is why the Jesus we get is better than the Jesus we want. And I say that because this, sin, listen now, I want to make sure you hear me clearly on this. Sin is still a bigger problem than COVID. Sin is still a bigger problem than a virus. Sin is still a bigger problem than a loss of freedoms. Sin is still a bigger problem than racism. Sin is still a bigger problem than not supporting your civil leaders. 
Sin is still a bigger problem. Why? Because although a percentage of us may die from a virus, 100% of us will die infected with sin. So the bigger issue here is the sin and the brokenness that exists inside of each and every one of us. And the Jesus we want can't solve that issue. But the Jesus we get can. Because the Jesus that we get was sent for a different reason. The Jesus we want, like he heals us now. Jesus we want heals us now. The Jesus we want makes us successful now. The Jesus we want makes me happy now. But the Jesus we get is less concerned with your happiness and more concerned with your holiness. Man, I wish I was preaching at church today. Come on. The church, the Jesus that we get is less concerned with your success and more concerned with your sanctification. The Jesus we get is less concerned with the healing of your physical body in this life and more concerned with the soul healing that will come in the next life. See, the Jesus that we get solve the biggest problem, the, pro- the biggest issue, the biggest sin problem in human existence. Sin and the separation of God the Father. And by laying down his life, putting his body on a cross, he took to the grave the issue, which was sin, which was sin, which was my brokenness, which is my wickedness, which is my desperateness, which is my depravity. We get a Jesus that can set us free. That's what we get. That's what we get, church. And we sacrifice the Jesus we get for the Jesus we want. And shame on us. Shame on us. Shame on myself. I look back as I'm writing this and being convicted at every point, realizing I am trying to oftentimes follow a Jesus I want Instead of surrendering to the Jesus, I get. Listen, my friend, yes, in this world, you may have trouble. But my friend, (laughs) you're free. Jesus does not promise it will be safe. In fact, he says, probably not going to be safe. Jesus does not promise that it will be easy. In fact, he says, it's not going to be easy. Jesus didn't say, follow me if you want to be famous, rich, and, and happy. Jesus says, no, you're going to probably be relatively obscure. It's going to be hard. Your friends are going to leave you. I'm going to demand everything from you. Yep, that means your money. Yep, that means your time. Yep, that means your thoughts, your actual desires. You need to surrender and submit it to me. Enter into a slave master relationship with me. You're a bond servant. Like, what? That's what he says. And somehow we've said, oh, yeah, what he really meant by that, that was prosperity. What he really meant by be a slave is you're free to do as you choose and then just keep that monopoly. Get out a free card when, you, when you're like at the pearly gates. Church, the Jesus we get is a savior. The Jesus we get is a redeemer. The Jesus we get is the one who can take a sinner like me and a sinner like you and impute his righteousness Count his righteousness as mine, even though it's not, and impute my sin onto him. And my sin is counted as his, even though it is not. And he gives me freedom, and he gives me life, and he saves me from more than just this world. He saves me from my own broken heart. That is the Jesus we get. And the Jesus we get is better than the Jesus we want. Let's pray. God.
We believe in this Jesus. We believe that he is the son of God, the risen Messiah, who was and is and is yet to come. And Father, I pray that you would hasten the day of the return of Jesus Christ. We look forward in anticipation to seeing our Lord and Savior, the Jesus we get, to call us home, to save us from this brokenness. Father, right now in the stillness and the quietness of this moment, I pray that your spirit would freely work and freely move. Right now. Jesus' name. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I want to speak to those of you who've been in church for like 70 years, like me. You've been going to church your whole life. You, you heard us sing that hymn today, and it reminds you of your childhood. I'm there with you. I want you to examine your heart. Are the patterns and behaviors in your life similar to one who is following the Jesus they want instead of the Jesus they get? you know. Review your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the places in your own heart where you're chasing after the Jesus you want and not surrendering to the Jesus you get. Right now, there is a, a great alignment that needs to take place over the subluxation of our understanding of Jesus Christ. Take a moment, Christian. Take a moment right now. Review. For those of you who are wondering and waiting and thinking about the Jesus that you get versus the Jesus that you want, can I encourage you, friend, to study through this passage, beginning the first book of John and read and discover for yourself who this Jesus is from the very onset of John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, that's Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Begin seeing Jesus through the scripture. Begin sensing the Holy Spirit in you. It will change your life if you let it. Eyes closed, heads bowed. We're just going to take a moment of silence today. Just a minute. Spend some time right now talking with the Father. closed, head still bowed. Just thinking about this. The Jesus we get offers us the peace that we want.